0: Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foulball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well, because I'm genuinely doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. Thank you. This is the 17th episode of the MFR Podcast. 17. I missed last week. I'm sorry if you were longing if you were longing for more MFR podcast content. I apologize for letting you down and i swear i pledge that i will do better cuz i saw it once on a shitty marvel tv show and now i it, it stayed in me it worked it, all that you know how it was terrible and no one liked it and everyone would cringe well guys it was effective it was the medicine we needed and now i'm doing better i'm going to do better i swear i swear how you guys doing i hope that you're doing well i genuinely do i uh i'm back like i said after a little break uh i wasn't doing all that great guys i gotta be completely honest i really wasn't um luke i don't know if you know this. not everyone knows not everybody knows not everybody follows every single thing i say and do i don't put it all on social media i hope that you catch it on streams and videos but if you don't catch it you don't catch it so lukey boy good old little fuzzy luke co-star of the show he uh, he got locked out. He got locked out about a little over two weeks ago. He, uh, it was after the cocktail lounge. I, if you've ever watched the MFR cocktail lounge, uh, was pretty toasted. I was pretty drunk, and Luke, you know, bugs me to go out on occasion. He does indeed. He often does, because he likes to go out, because he's a floofy little cat. Well, I let him out, acquiesced, and then I went back to my bed and Promptly passed out. Now, what my roommate didn't know is that Luke was still outside and he closed the door in like the middle of the night, which is totally reasonable. He just didn't know that Luke was still out. And when I woke up, no Luke. And uh, it was pretty upsetting. I kept uh, a little bit of optimism for a while. I just went out there that day, went looking for him in the neighborhood. I was hoping he'd be around. I shaked like a food tin. Little, little treats in there, making the. That's was a really good sound effect, right? So it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like. If I if you guys need uh, a foley artist, I'm right here. Um, and uh, no no luck nothing nothing, and uh, you know it got more and more dire. Uh, luckily, I I really did get some good advice from online resources on like what to do when your cat gets out, and also that it's not. The, the biggest thing, a little poofy hair right here, uh, the biggest thing that helped me was the fact that it's not uncommon for cats to get out for a while and come back. If I hadn't read that, I probably would have catastrophized and given up hope like in a week. Um, but apparently it's not uncommon for cats to get out for several weeks, even up to a month. And Luke was out for over two weeks, 16 days. Uh, by his by his, his lonesome now we don't exactly live in the wilderness out here but you know there's woods and there's i hear coyotes every night and i was definitely fearing the worst wasn't uh no nah, i wasn't doing well I was, I was pretty pretty upset about it and we'll go out every night with like a flashlight and food tin hoping that he would come back and he never did and then uh, one day I was like did I miss anything let me go on the website and uh, read if there's anything else I should do and it said you should put like his bed or his cat tree outside because cats are drawn to their own scent and I was like okay I'll do that Uh, I put it outside all day and then I went to work came home uh, walked around looking for him still nothing getting that 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 could really bummed me out because that was, was that Sunday what day was it yeah I think that was Sunday and, uh, yeah, and I was just like, man, this is getting to be a long time, you know, and so I'm sitting at this computer playing cyberpunk, and I left the back door open for a while, and I look over, or didn't even, I just sitting there, and I hear a meow, and I look, and Luke came back, Luke came back after 16 days out in the wilderness, uh, which was really terrific, it was, uh, it was pretty harrowing, pretty harrowing, I was pretty depressed about it, um, you know, it, we are attached to our pets, but when they just disappear one day, you know, it's it's a lot. It's hard, and I, I kept imagining, like, the worst possible scenarios of what could happen, what could have happened to them, and possible outcomes, and it was not good. And I just, you know, I try to just keep optimistic, you know, trust the fact that the time is still very much in the acceptable realm of how long cats can get out. And so, voila, he came back. And, um he he's he was pretty dirty all, all like the front of him He was kind of all dirty his paws were all dirty and he is still super fucking skinny uh what i read is that most likely what happened he was he's just hiding the whole time just found a spot to hide and uh, stayed there so i don't know if that was the case obviously i have no idea what he was up to um but uh he he definitely wasn't eating a lot if at all over that two weeks his first thing that happened when he came in was he went over to where his food was and i fed him and he was like man, me man, i was just god i was just so relieved so happy to have him back so crisis averted luke is back he's out for that long and you know it's funny i've heard multiple stories of that like i knew a girl in new york city i think in queens where her cat was gone for like a month And I remember just being like, yeah, looking at her posts and she just kept asking. I I didn't I didn't have any confidence that her cat was going to be okay, And then her cat came back and I was like, oh, what do you know? That's that happens. And like literally, I think like the day before Luke got out, I think it was like literally the night before I was at a, a bar And I was talking with this, uh, with the bartender, and she she was talking with her friend, and her friend, you know, was like, Oh, hey, you know, peanut butter or whatever came back. And I was like, Is that the cat? And he's like, Yeah, and I guess the cat was gone for like a month. So it happens. I mean, it's actually not that uncommon. My mic stand is right in the unfortunate position between being too tight and too loose. So I'm just adjusting it. I know you care. We just went bleh, went down went down um yeah so if you ever if your cat ever gets out you know do all the things uh submit the information to the local shelters check the local shelters put out flyers uh, most importantly put some of his or her stuff on the patio uh, or they i don't know how your cat identifies your cat could identify as a they i don't know i don't know all the cats you know it's totally possible um but that the putting his stuff out there seemed to work at least it it could could have been a coincidence but mm, mm, mm. god damn mic stand mic stands suck i hate mic stands never had a good one um (laughs) um yeah but anyway so here he is voila luke is back he's back on the show back in our lives being fuzzy he's so skinny he's so skinny he's just a little skinny mini boy but he's back he is back so thank you for anyone who sent like love and positivity when i mentioned it i remember uh, islington girl said oh luke's on a little adventure and honestly like it was little stuff like that that helped the whole time you know i think a lot of times when crisis crises happen or bad things happen people say like platitudes or positive things mm-hmm. and you know, it just sort of sounds like lip service, but in the instance here, like when people would tell me those stories about how a cat will come back or uh, just say positive and encouraging things, honestly, it made it a lot easier to deal with because I didn't take it well, man. I was so depressed. And uh, this is sober October for me. So it's what the 11th today This will be coming out on the 12th. That's almost uh, almost two full weeks of sobriety, which is a long time for me. I do not remember the last time I've been sober for such a uh, extended period of time. So losing Luke and also being sober was tough. That was a, that was a hard combination of emotions, you know, like, because it's like, not to say I wouldn't have cared if I was drinking, but it, I could have slept better. I couldn't sleep. One night I straight up could not fall asleep all night because I was just like having like bad dreams about him. Every time I close my eyes, I would just wake up and feel sad again just missed him just missed that fluff you know take him for granted but i love him um yeah so the sober october thing uh that's actually been if it wasn't for the fact that i was like depressed about luke being gone really hasn't been all that bad i was kind of uh surprised at how kind of smooth it's been uh the first the first day wasn't bad the second day was probably the hardest because uh, I was bored at work, and that's usually a, a recipe for mixing it up, you know, <laughs> I work in a bar, it's not that uncommon uh, to, uh, you know, shake it up with a little shad or two, just to kind of change the vibe, but I was sticking with it, and that was the first real test, um, and then <laughs> Monday, I was. Uh, this was supposed to be like a month of fitness, right? I was gonna do all these different fitness exercises fitness uh, excursions. I was gonna do rock climbing, jujitsu, you know, all types of fitness fun stuff. Mix it up, do different things. And literally, day three, Monday, I was at the gym and I tweaked my back doing a deadlift. So, and I was like in bed, like all week. So I was just like in bed with a heating pad on my back, missing Luke, wishing I could get up and go look for them sober it wasn't uh it it was a pretty pretty rocky start to uh sober october but i stayed with it i haven't uh haven't drank and i haven't really wanted it the only thing i've really wanted has just been when i was super low or depressed to to just change my mood just to not feel what i was feeling at that moment that was the that's been the only time I've really wanted alcohol and it wasn't even, that I wanted alcohol. I just didn't want to feel exactly how I was feeling at that moment, but haven't really been craving it. Haven't really been desiring it, which has been cool. You know, it's like, all right, I can do this. You know, I'm so used to having alcohol in my life, like every day that, you know, um, not having it and not wanting it is like kind of novel. Uh, there's there's times where I miss it. You know, I was at work today, and I was like, ooh, I wanted to, like, go out and have, like, a good glass of whiskey somewhere or, like, you know, a good meal with some wine. Like, I definitely do enjoy it. It is pretty awesome. Um, But I have not been, like, dying for it. It hasn't been anything that, like, has really been killing me. So that's been pretty cool. Um, On that Monday, the day that I tweaked my back, I actually went back to uh, doing stand-up comedy which is something I've wanted to do pretty much I guess, for years. It's long, I don't know, a long time. I, I, I kind of waffle back and forth. I would talk myself out of it. I'm like, oh, you're an actor. You don't need to do stand-up. And you're not all that funny. And, you know, but there would always be this itch, this like desire to want to try to do it. And I did it uh, last year a few times. It wasn't fun. <laughs> it sucked. Uh, when you just say things that you think are funny to utter silence it's pretty jarring, you know, I think I probably would have done better with like heckling or booing or like, you know, someone antagonizing me. At least I would have been. I don't know, I could deal with that, but just the utter silence and they're like, OK, what's the next thing you've got to say? And You're just like, um, I don't know. And that those were rough. And so I put that off for a while and I've been wanting to go back and I finally mustered the courage to do it, which wasn't easy. I mean, literally, like before I got out of the car. I was like you know I had to like psych myself up to do it like I you know I had to like talk literally talk myself into it and I think it was just uh, mostly my ego was trying to protect me from you know whatever may or may not happen and it turns out that my ego's instincts my ego's protective instincts were correct uh, they were they were very well placed because it went terribly <laughs> oof it's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say how bad it really went. Like, I recorded it and listened back to it. I was like, eh, it wasn't wasn't awful, um, but it's just such an uncomfortable feeling to perform to, like, a completely muted response. And that's that's what I I got. I don't. I may have gotten one laugh. I think like one little chuckle. I don't really remember. There weren't many people in the room either, so that's kind of, like, a difficult part of it as well. It's – it's uh, open mic comedy is, is a tough thing, and I'm still extremely new at it, so, uh, you know, but it, it felt – it didn't feel good. I wasn't happy when it was over, and I didn't have this cathartic, like, hey, way to go, you conquered your fear kind of feeling, like – it didn't feel like that at all. It just felt like, oh, my God, you're so bad at this. and It's going to take you forever to get any good at this. Like, do you really want to pursue this? Is this really something that you're going to spend years of your life, you know, doing? You're already almost 40. Like, it was all these doubts and negative feelings that came in afterwards. It wasn't like a catharsis, like a rush in of like, way to go. You do. No, no, not at all. Uh, and that combined with uh, hurting my back and Luke being missing, Last week was like pretty much a wash. <laughs> pretty much a wash, man. Like I I couldn't get myself up to do the podcast. I guess I could have done it without the camera because my back was hurting so much. I couldn't really sit in one position like that for a long time. I guess I could have done it without the camera, but I just didn't have the motivation to be honest. I genuinely just didn't. And then uh when I came around for the cocktail lounge, I was like, "I don't my back hurts. I can't just sit in this chair." for three four hours you know what i mean on camera sober i just couldn't do it so i just uh, didn't and uh yeah, that sucked i mean it sucks to kind of break up the consistency because i also know that people now they rely on it it's not like i'm like a linchpin in anyone's life but they do lots of people you most likely show up regularly to everything that i do so it does kind of feel shitty to be like eh just not doing it this week um but, you know, me and Vidge did the Culture Crime Fighters, and that actually kind of really recalibrated myself. You know, that night, I think that was the same night that Luke came back. Yeah, it was. So it did that show, kind of revitalize like, some, some confidence in doing this and doing stand-up. I mean, doing anything creative, really, in general. Uh, talking to good old Vigilante Williams, and he is a good dude. He's a good shit, that Vidge. I love him very much. Uh, and then bring in, having Luke come back just a few hours after that definitely changed uh, my perspective. It's definitely brought me back to feeling more confident more comfortable uh, pursuing these things. So, you know, I'm back a little bit. You may have noticed I put out a short today on, uh, on YouTube, which I know everybody loves the shorts. I put out a short like a week ago and I lost a sub. <laughs> On the video analytics, someone unsubscribed. They're like, this guy's putting out shorts. No, boo, loser. Um, I I kind of like shorts. I think they're fine. I, I watch them usually on like Instagram. Like they call them reels there. Uh, but the reason I do it is not for the people who are already here, right? The people who are already here probably are seeing that podcast clip that you probably already saw the podcast or you saw that thing the reason I do it is to get in new faces and it's an incredible way to get new people into the channel because the algorithm just loves those things for whatever reason I have no idea why and I don't understand their algorithm at all like I put out a video today and within an hour within like a half hour it had 700 views which is way above the norm for me but then it basically stopped at that same number it got like all its views like in 45 minutes and that was it and it hasn't grown since so it's like what a strange algorithm it's just so weird like i don't understand how they figure these things out i don't get it but for whatever reason uh the shorts are what youtube wants and quite frankly i don't have a big enough audience to battle that so if you don't like shorts i'm sorry I hope you don't take it personally, it's not uh, It's not me selling out, it's me buying in, no, it's me just doing what I gotta do to get eyes on the channel, because, uh, you know, it's tough, man, it's tough, especially when I don't really have that same kind of um, pop culture thing that I used to do, right, where I, I would be like, oh, there's a new Expanse story, there's a new... Uh, game of thrones or whatever thing then i would make a video about that and you know some of them would get some traction because it'd be a hot topic i could give a shit less now to be honest like uh not to be uh negative and and i was certainly not talking about people who do it go for it i i just found that if i spend a lot of time uh concerning myself with that patrolling it reporting on it it didn't make me feel good you know um and i i also felt like i really wasn't all that needed in that conversation like for instance me and Vidge yesterday or uh, whenever that was monday uh talked about uh doomcock in our most recent culture crime fighters episode which you can see if you like that is still up and i do recommend you watch that i think me and vigilante williamson do a good show i think we're good broadcasters and i think we're good together so please go check that out um but we uh, we talked about Doomcock and the whole Doomcock situation. I thought we covered it well and pretty interesting. And then I was looking at the episode today and I was cutting out some clips. I cut out some shorts and so on. And then I uh, was looking at whether, you know, should I cut this and make a clip? And I'm like, let me just go see. You know, let me just put in She-Hulk, Doomcock, and the YouTube. And there was like already like a 100 videos that came up and, uh, you know, that Also like four or five days ago. So it's like an older story. This topic's been covered. I mean, maybe I should do it anyway just because it's like it's our brand and our take. But a lot of this stuff, it just – it feels like if you don't get to it right away, it's it's kind of like what, what else can you really contribute here to this story? You know, like how many fandom menace takes on this particular topic do we really need? Uh, so – i I didn't clip it maybe i should have i don't know i just um the phantom menace stuff bores me it bores me now it's not it's not that i don't think it's valid it's not that i I have anything against anyone who does it just personally i just can't i can't get wrapped up in it anymore i I, i've covered this topic like ad infinitum but i just realize i'm a happier person when i'm not uh engaging in this that's not to say you know i don't care about the culture war. I do. I'm very aware of it. And it does still very much frustrate me. Like for instance. I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan's episode with Tulsi Gabbard on today. And I, I like Tulsi. Uh, I like Tulsi ever since I first saw her in the presidential debates. And she was the only person to me that stuck out as saying anything reasonable. She just seemed like a reasonable person. She didn't seem like a partisan Politician, She didn't seem like someone who, like, had an agenda, an axe to grind. She's just like, "What? Do, look, why don't we get together and figure out what the best solution for most of the people is, and we'll do that. Uh, that seemed to be her philosophy. And the her own party, the Democratic Party, uh, ostracized her. I think Hillary Clinton called her a Russian asset. Just how, you know, how, how someone can just say stuff like that, and there's no accountability is crazy to me. But she uh, recently came out and I guess has denounced – the uh, the the Democratic Party she is no longer part of the Democratic Party uh, and I was listening to that episode with uh, with Joe Rogan and it was interesting because they're both very interesting but uh, the tone is very serious and it's very upsetting. you know they're talking a lot about um, the ideological war that is is raging in this country uh, you know this this can men get pregnant thing. Which it's, it every time I mentally engage with that, I just it's it so asinine and frustrating. It's like, I cannot believe we're having this discussion. I can't believe we've gotten this low in the mud. Like most people, I think were like, okay, you want to dress like a girl, call yourself a girl, go for it. That's fine. That's all good. And then a lot of people, once the uh, thing was like, well, you also have to call me a girl, and it's like. Well, no, you can't force me to do that. I will out of being polite, but you can't make me do it under penalty of whatever. And that's where a lot of people, I think, started to diverge. And that's where I think the the conversation really started to get intense and heated because it became compelled speech instead of, you know, personal identity, blah, blah, blah. Then this new thing with the male men getting pregnant thing, it's like, what is a woman? It's just spiraling into this like level of complete absurdity that is – I, honestly upsetting for me to engage with I'm just like okay i you know i can only i can only engage with it for like a like a specified period of time i have not seen that documentary what is a woman by uh, matt walsh i would like to i guess maybe I, I mean i saw some compelling clips that were pretty interesting i don't know that i'm gonna i'm, I'm probably not gonna subscribe to the daily wire because i don't Politics all day long every day is not my thing. I don't really find that interesting or compelling. So I'm not going to watch that. Like I'm not going to pay money to watch, you know, this opinion all the time. I think that's I think that's unhealthy no matter what side you're on. If you're just on the left or the right, whatever. If you're just uh, consuming political stuff all day long. I do not think a happy person that makes. Just my take, just my opinion. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. I think it's crazy. I think it's unhealthy. Um, I was talking with this guy at work today and he's, he's, he's like, yeah, during COVID, you know, he he was like one of those MSNBC guys just had MSNBC on all the time. And I'm like, my God, like, why do you have to be such a fucking stereotype, Austin? You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to make you cool. (laughs) I'm trying to be like, yeah, listen, you know, like, they're crazy left wing here and leftists and all that stuff. But oh, you know, most, most of the time, it's really cool. Most of the time, it's fun. And that's true. But then I come across these people who are like uh, like a left wing stereotype. Okay. You just have MSNBC, MSNBC on all day. And this is not, by the way, mind you, this is not the same person that I brought up who from the same work environment who also said that about MSNBC on all day. This is another separate person. And it's like, uh, come on, Austin. You make it hard to suggest you to recommend you. (laughs) You really do. You really do. So, all right. So I have this Tulsi Gabbard article. Let's go go over it real quick. I'm just curious just a little bit because she's leaving the Democratic Party, which quite frankly, like I said, I like Tulsi Gabbard. I always kind of felt like she was a Republican who registered as a Democrat. Which is like whatever. That's fine. I'm, just, I'm not nothing against Republicans, but she always would say things where I'm like, yeah, pretty based for someone on the left. You're like, you well, see, so you're not really on the left, are you? You just kind of did that, and that happens sometimes. You know, certain districts will literally only vote for one political party. So someone with different political ideals will just pretend they're that party, and so they get elected because it's like it's that simple. I mean, you know, you see all these fools who got elected, like all these like crazy leftists who are in, in Congress. You know, and, and they're, you know, it's just like, well, their district's never going to not vote a Democrat. So it's not a bad strategy. I only found this article. OK, God, that took a while. I don't know why that was so challenging. I had to mess with the settings. Stupid OBS was being difficult. But here we are. We're back. Uh, so this come from the New York Post. It says Tulsi Gabbard leaving, quote, elitist Democratic Party blasts cowardly wokeness. Cowardly is quite cowardly. Um, All right, let's see what she's got to say. Let's watch the video. I'm curious because I do like Tulsi and she's pretty hot. So that helps.
1: I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government That's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me.
0: I can't really argue with much of what she just said. I mean, that was all pretty straight up. It's, it's not news to uh, a lot of people who've been paying attention, you know, but it's, um, you know, she pretty much laid it all out there. I, I definitely agree with the uh, racializing everything the the leading us towards war thing is a little strange that one is kind of like uh not that i disagree it, it's just weird to me we are getting to a place where it's like yeah like you don't want nuclear war you're a bad person like my buddy who's who like pretty left wing from california he sent me like a meme of like in 2020 how the person was like all messed up and was being like oh oh fuck it i'll just show you and now this meme is, is coming from my friend who is like vehemently anti-Trump, like was like a straight up Bernie bro. And he text he messaged me this like with a good laugh. And it says 2020, no, a cold virus with point. survival rate is literally going to kill everyone if we don't lock down, wear a mask, and get experimental jabs. If you don't comply, you're a selfish chud putting lives at risk. 2022. What the fuck do you mean you don't want a nuclear war? Take your Russian propaganda elsewhere, you pro-Putin scum. We're trying to save democracy and lives here. Yeah, like, I I, I see it on the internet, like, really harshly. You know, 9Gag is a place where I spend a lot of time for memes, for better or for worse, and lots for worse. I probably should spend less time there because it, it's super toxic. And they were the same. They were all, uh, uh, there was a lot of loud pro, you know, COVID lockdown and masks and jabs and stuff like that there. And there is like a really disturbing level of pro. Uh, Pro pro nuclear war with Russia and like you know they they have these like this fantasy of seeing Putin like locked up and like uh, having an to answer for war crimes and I'm like okay I mean you know that might go that way or it might play out completely differently and we might genuinely have a nuclear war like are you not is that not something that you're concerned with like it's it's a weird it's weird the way they're doing this whole Russia thing like they really want this war and it's like. Could end with lots and lots of people dead i, I don't know I, I find the whole i really don't know how i feel about it like i think on the surface it's like yeah like whatever russia's probably doing is is bad you probably shouldn't invade a foreign nation but then there's all this other stuff like apparently like we have been prodding them and fucking with them for a long time at least according to like dave smith and like the kind of libertarian people who like analyze these uh global political situations with a bit more of a fine tooth comb instead of just uh, going after it aggressively. I really don't know. But I do find like the pro like war thing to be weird. It's just as much as like how all the covid people were suddenly so pro Pfizer. You know how this evil like I thought evil pharmaceutical companies were like the worst things in your ideology. Then all of a sudden they became like the savior. It's just so crazy how people are like easily like they just go down. And it's not even like they get misled; like they are fighting for it. They're like actively being soldiers in these in these conflicts, you know, these culture conflicts. I find it so insane to me. It's just like Jesus, man. Like, what are you? Are you sure you know all about this? And they and they'll say stuff like "you're pro Putin scum." Like, I I just I don't know. I I feel like you guys are all so hardcore on this. Like that's where I'm standing. I don't know how you can. You say that with such conviction. I don't know, I find it odd. They're like, oh, you rust bot. It's like I'm not a rust bot. I don't have any dog in this fight. I just think like maybe we should slow the fuck down. Like I don't know. It's like they want Russia to just go away. They just want the whole country to die. It's kinda crazy. So going back to the Tulsi thing, yeah, I mean hundred percent. You know, she and she didn't even mention anything about the gender stuff, which is like uh, uh you know, a big deal, which I think a lot of people are like, eh, this is kind of weird, especially when it starts affecting their kids. Yeah, I, I, I don't really disagree with like anything she said. There, it all seemed pretty reasonable, pretty salient, pretty much exactly what I expected from her, which is what I always kind of liked about Tulsi. She seemed like a reasonable Democrat. She seemed to have like, you know, empathy for people, but also practicality in her policies. I don't know. She always seemed pretty cool to me. Uh, i read a little bit of this article and then we'll move on. Former Democratic House member and presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard announced she was leaving the party Tuesday, blasting it as an elitist cabal driven by cowardly wokeness and trading in anti-white racism. I agree with that. I mean, I know I just said that, and I know it's like in the video that we just watched. But, I mean, she's right, you know. Cowardly wokeism is is a good point uh, because it it is this sort of cowardly – like you can't dare transgress. And I see that – you know, in my personal environment, I, I find myself very much pressured to conform to the ideas, not necessarily like, like, I, like, I, I don't feel any comfort or freedom to express anything counter to what seems to be like a collective identity. And that's not just, you know, it's not just the people that I work next side of me, like alongside of me, but also the people that come in, it's all it's like so much of this city just has that kind of like, we're all on the same side, they're all on the same page kind of ideology. It's a little scary, man. It's a little weird. They want to like aggressively ostracize you if you even have the audacity to think differently than them. It's uh, really disgusting and scary. And cowardly wokeness, I think is a good point, because it really just kind of forces people into these little corners, where, uh, you know, you really kind of just don't want to disagree because you don't want to rock the boat, which is something I'm partaking in right now. So uh, I've it's also because I've been through years and years and years of strife and turmoil uh, because I'm so outspoken with the things that I think. And, like, I have no problem disagreeing with people. But it's just created so much conflict in my life, I just feel like I have to kind of – I got to just, you know, back off. And it, it it does seem to be making me a happier person. You know, I can come on here and tell you guys exactly what I think and have a frank conversation. But it seems like in my personal life, and my work life, eh, it's better to just make jokes and move on because it's not like – other thing I realized about a lot of these people who are so have all these convictions, they're not even really that well-educated on any of it. Like they're not – like they didn't scrutinize these ideas. They pretty much heard – Heard it one time and then have been running with it ever since. And they're not really that educated and also they're not even that influential. So that influential. So who cares? Like changing their minds, trying to get them to think differently is a fool's errand. Gabbard, who gave up her house seat representing Hawaii to run for president in 2020, condemned the Progressive Party for being hostile to people of faith and spirituality. It's very true. While demonizing the police and protecting criminals at the expense of law-abiding citizens. That was another great point that she brought up. That's 100% true. It's so weird. Like, I saw another thing on on New York Post today, and it was, like, this um, group of women who were all dressed in, like, this weird green spandex, like, head-to-toe thing. were like, on, like, some kind of a crime spree, and they all got released. Uh, like the courts are just releasing criminals and then and then they demonize the cops and it's just like, I mean, all right, the mistakes have definitely happened, happened but they're not like running rampant, <laughs> destroying cities, but a lot of these criminals are and they're just not doing anything about it. It's really weird. I, I, it's just a very strange very strange ideology these people have adopted. And and I, I definitely do call I think it's it's up to like the uh it is I think Tulsi Gabbard's like call to action for reasonable Democrats. It, it, she's right, because they're the reason this shit continues on. It's it's not the um it's not the extremists and it's not the right. You know, it's like these are the people who like are nice people who live in democratic cities and think, oh, gee whiz, gosh golly, I want to have a, I want to be the nice person. I want to have, you know, polite ideas or Trump's bad, blah, blah, blah. But but you are the ones who are voting in these policies where it's like, oh, there's no such thing as crime. <laughs> and, you know, like, just open borders no matter what. It's like literally destroying the country. It is on you. I mean, if you're one of those middle of the road, you know, kind of Democrats or reasonable, it, it's on you. I mean, you're the only one that can affect it because I'm not going to be voting Democrat in this current election. <laughs> it's just not going to happen because uh, I don't agree with them right now. I think they're off their fucking rockers. I think they, they are. I think I think everything Tulsi Gabbard said about the Democrats is right. So I'm not going to be doing it. But I wasn't going to anyway. Probably, you know, so it's not up to me. It's up to you. It's up to you if you're like a reasonable thinking person to just not be such an aggressive conformist and to take that one oh, audacious leap to think slightly different and i don't know vote independent or oh my god vote for a republican like it's not it's not like a permanent thing like these things change maybe right now a republican is needed and maybe in in a few years a democrat will be needed but it's like wh- why what's this hardline party stance i always do this i always do that it's ridiculous and it's fucking insane vote for the person that's the right for the job like what, what are we doing what, what is this like these battle lines it's like we, we lived in the same city we are all you know we all want what's best for each other because it makes what makes my life better right if your life's good my life's usually better like it's it's you know prosperity it's, it's i don't know it's kind of nuts um is there anything else in this i mean she pretty they're pretty much just breaking down the video which is redundant at the very least but uh, I don't know go Tulsi I I like Tulsi Garrett I I think I I, I have since you know pretty much she uh, started uh, started since the first time I heard her Uh, I like her go Tulsi get it girl Yes, Queen Slay that's what I say and that rhymes and it doesn't make me gay so if you think that I would say hey (laughs) Ah, I'm sorry I I apologize for that little rhyming stanza that was my bad if you, if you need to tune out now, I understand. I completely empathize. I empathize. Um, one thing also, this I kind of I did a few reviews on this particular show and then I abandoned it because I realized I don't actually enjoy doing reviews. It feels like a chore. It feels like work. I'm happy to talk about it, you know, in, in a, a podcast type situation like this, or on the cocktail lounge, or Culture Crime Fighters, or whatever. I'm I'm happy to do that. I I I, I don't know it. it Every time I'd sit down to do a review, it just felt like, ugh, felt like it just felt like a job. And I don't want to be a professional critic. That's not something I'm interested in doing. It just it just feels like someone who's just sitting on the sidelines, being like, "Hey, you should throw the ball. You should you should run the ball. This team isn't good enough." I just like I don't know, man. Are you playing? Maybe you should shut up. That's how I feel. That's how that's how I felt about me doing it. I'm not saying anyone who does that, that's how you should look at them. I'm saying that's how I felt about myself. I was like, ugh. I just feel like, like a, you know, like oh, I know better, but uh, I'm not doing it. But I do know better. It's like, well, not not a helpful, not helpful voice. But anyway, point is, I have been watching and enjoying uh, the House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones show, House of the Dragon. I think it's been pretty good. I've uh, I found myself, I I hadn't watched. I think uh, through episode three. I think I watched one, two, started three didn't give a shit and then just kind of moved on for a few weeks and then uh one day i was like all right i guess i'll i'll make the effort to get back into it and then i found myself binging it and with the extra episodes i was like okay and then i found myself very compelled and i'm into the show like i I, i'm concerned to see where this goes now i will say the biggest flaw of the show in my opinion is that i don't really have anyone to care about like there's no character like I identify with. Like in the in the Game of Thrones, like you had the Starks, right? Starks are awesome. Love the Starks. They're super badass. Very noble. You know, it seems like they're fighting on the on the for the right things, for the right reasons. They make mistakes, but ultimately they seem like good people. You had Tyrion Lannister, right? Who's like the the imp who, you know, is kind of always taking abuse, so, you, you know, people identify with that, and he's a fun character, he's funny, he's clever, he's really interesting, and so, you know, you you kind of, re- and there was, you know, the characters here and there, and then it was even, like, on Jamie Lannister's character arc, you began to identify with him and, and like him, and so on and so forth. You watch the show. Uh, with this show, I don't, it's really, there's, like, no one that I identify with. Like, Rhaenyra is, like, the the main the main girl, right? She's the one. So you kind of, because the, the show is seen through her eyes, you all almost automatically empathize with her. But then she starts doing some shit down the road where you're like, God damn, girl. That was fucking cold-blooded. It was harsh. And the show just kind of, like, moves on past it. Like, yeah, that's the show. We're going to do terrible things to people that, you know, you care about and love. It's like, God damn. Sometimes, like, I'm watching this show and I think it's actually bleaker than Game of Thrones. Like, just darker. Just like, oof, man, it's rough. It's a rough world out there. Uh, and the family relations and all this stuff are, are pretty dark. But I do find myself caring about it. Like now that I I feel like the table is really set, we have all these characters, all these interesting characters that are, are there and the intrigue and the stakes. I, I will say, I will confess, I get lost a lot with the names. There's so many names and they all kind of sound the same. Aegon, Damon, Dagar, it all kind of runs together where I, I don't, I, I'm like, who are they talking about? You know, like I need some visuals or, you know, the Stepstones. Okay, I can identify with the Stepstones. Dragonstone I can figure out, you know, the Driftwood Throne. Okay, like these things I'm like, all right, that I got. But when the individual players, I'm like, who the hell, which one is that? That's the cousin or is that the brother or is that the, you know, I don't know. That's that's a, a critique of the show that I feel like should be leveled because, I don't like – I I find myself losing track of the most important characters in the show from time to time, which I don't really think is a good thing. I don't think that's what you want your audience to do. I think you want your audience to know exactly who you're talking about and what's going on. Um, But it is good. And this most recent episode – I'm not going to spoil it. um, I liked it. I kind of liked – it was like – there was a very nice moment for a while – which I was like, oh no. Is this gonna be like a red wedding situation, you know? <laughs> like this is this is a nice in the world of Game of Thrones. There's nothing nice in the world of Game of Thrones. Like everyone's being cool to each other. This is uh, it's unsettling. Um but no, it was uh it's good. It's good. Like I'm happy to watch it. I don't I'm not like um Heartily invested. I'm not like rooting for it, and it feels like they've kind of um they've abandoned a little bit. Like the women will never achieve the Iron Throne. Feels like that's kind of gone away a little. Uh, it's just sort of about like who will get it, and like the fact is, in the realm, it's still uncommon for a woman to sit the throne like that's still kind of unpopular like okay cool that's all fine and good um and it, it feels like that's gone away and also the black targaryen thing which at first was just like oof, that is a stretch y'all that is a stretch you guys have really gone out there i mean the blonde thing and you're making it look well they're black but with blonde hair you're like i mean okay i don't that's not a human that exists but all right um but they i i don't even notice it anymore i don't really care like every once in a while if i think about it i'm just like <clears throat> But like for the most part, I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't, I I, I've stopped noticing it to a point where I care. I don't know if that means the woke win or whatever. But ultimately, I'm like, whatever. Okay, you know, it's not. It's really not the end of the world for me. Okay, but I'm not even that invested in this show, so I don't really care. Like, I just feel like it's it's so much. I just feel like a, uh, like a just like a like a hot girl. You know, where I'm just kind of like, nah, I don't really need you if you're interesting, maybe I'll pay attention. If not, I don't care. And it's a really great place to be, actually. It's a very cool place to be with content because I'm finding enough stuff that I, I find interesting. Um, I don't feel this sort of like fiery sword in my hand to wield at the the enemy anymore. I don't feel the need to do that. Um, I just don't enjoy it. Um, and then I feel like yeah, I wa- I'll watch it if I feel like it. And I feel no other compulsion to do that. And if it's another thing you want to destroy and it's it's almost like they're it's almost like it's a parody of themselves now, you know? It's almost like you guys, it's like a joke. Like I was talking about with Vigilante how they did the She-Hulk show. And it's like they wrote into the first season, the first season, uh, you know, a cabal, a little uh faction Of critics of She-Hulk and how they hated her for being a woman, and you're like. So like you already are you're preempting like the critiques of your show. So it's like you already know what you're doing is gonna piss people off. It's not you're not putting out something where you think this is the best job you can do. You're writing the best possible show. You know exactly what you're doing and what the purpose is. And you've also experience enough backlash on forcing agenda on people how they don't like it you've you know warped it in your little weird commie brain that it's you know oh they hate women it's nothing to do with the horrific agenda behind it um but you you've you know what you're doing like you know exactly what you're doing and here's the proof you've written into response to critics before the show's even finished its first season like you didn't know that by the time we got here, people wouldn't have loved it. You, there's no way you could have known that unless you knew what you were doing and why. And you, you've experienced this so many times where the pushback is going to be so profound that you're like, well, we're gear up for war. I was like, all right, well, you it know, shouldn't have to go to war because that no one had that problem with infinity war. No one was like, Oh, black widow's too prominent. No one gave a shit. No one cared because it's not about women. And you know, it. it's about agenda. It's about lecturing the audience and it's about your bullshit politics. And, me spelling it out at this point is just it's almost beneath me. You're like, alright, you know. I'm not I'm not playing with you anymore. You wanna act like a you wanna act blind and foolish? Go ahead. I'm I'm not I'm not lowering myself to your level, sir. You are beneath me. You are common scum. Scum, sir. Sir? Dirty road people. Um and uh and they the guys are doing it with like Scooby Doo <laughs> with like Velma. And once again, like in the trailer, they're antagonizing like people who would criticize like so. All right. Like, obviously, you know what you're doing. It's like it, it to me, it's just like the difference is like getting in like a rough seas and just going for a peaceful walk on the beach. I can dive into those rough seas and fight the waves. But I saw that they were rough seas. Like I knew exactly what it was going to be. Like why would I be surprised, you know, if I get into it? They're like, oh, these waves are so big and cold and they're throwing me around. It's like, yeah, you knew that when you saw the rough seas. So why don't you just go for a nice walk on the beach and you don't have to deal with that. And that's been what I've been doing and it's been much better. I'm just happier. And then I feel like if something comes across my, <clears throat> my uh, purview, comes across my field of interest, <clears throat> I may or may not uh, watch it. And that's it. And that's as much as I have to get emotionally invested in any of it. And it's been really cool. Like I watched that movie, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Loved it. Thought it was terrific. Uh, went back and binged old Rick and Morty's. Had a blast doing that, which, by the way, I recommend that's the way you should experience Rick and Morty in a binge. I think if you're waiting week to week for those episodes, they're going to disappoint you. But if you get them all in a row, I think that's the way to experience Rick and Morty. I think it's the best way to enjoy the show. Like uh it's. Twenty minutes a week or whatever it is is not satisfying enough. And even if it is a good episode, there's almost no way it's gonna be good enough for your expectations. So my opinion with Rick and Morty is just wait till the season's over, then binge it and, you know, move on. Um but I've been watching that. I've been watching I just finished watching Africa on uh BBC uh America, which is like uh on HBO Max, and it has all the um all the, uh, what's it called? Like, a, it's a nature show about all the different regions in Africa. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, enriching, loved every second of it. And then I'm reading Altered Carbon. I'm, I'm you know, halfway through that book and, and that's it. And I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I get enough entertainment. I'm playing cyberpunk, loving it. I just don't feel the need to, uh, to, to, you know, oh, I, I got to cover this show. No, I don't. No, I fucking don't. And I'm not gonna. And w- Please, by all means, the people who want it, the people who make money on it, do it. By all means, monetize it. I don't enjoy it. I wish I did. I wish I could, like, you know, get funny angry with it. But I just get ugh, I just get worked up and upset and it just seems like a complete waste of time. So I say, So Wendell here, stepping in for Matt, take a nice little long, long walk on the beach.
1: And I think you'll feel better.
0: That's how I feel anyway. Me and Wendell align. We align on that point of view. You know, take a little walk on the beach. A little walk on the beach. Don't get in the rough seas. You know they're rough. You knew they were rough when you jumped in there. You knew they were rough when you jumped in there. I am enjoying cyberpunk. I'm surprised. Um, I think maybe if I was taking myself a little seriously, I probably wouldn't uh, get back into it because I'd be like, no, the culture, everyone's defying me. But some people told me at work that it was good. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to believe them because I do think it's insulting that I would buy a game that's completely unfinished. And then when I asked for a refund, you're like, nah, you played too much of it. It's like this game is broken. And there's, it was comically broken. And I think like Culture Casino at one point told me to play it. And that was maybe like a year ago. And I downloaded it again and it was still so broken. The driving mechanics were terrible. The gameplay. So many things about it. I was like, oh, this game sucks. Um, it's better now. I genuinely do feel like all the patches and stuff made a difference. The game is playable. It's not, like, sludge-like. It actually is pretty smooth. It's pretty fun. There's, like, cool places to go see, and the missions are fun. I actually am really having a blast playing it. Um, The dialogue's pretty good. It's still not really an RPG. Like, you don't really impact the story, which I don't really like. But as I play it longer, I do feel like some of their advertisement about you can play this game any way you want becomes truer it's not as true as they advertise it's not as rich of a world as they advertise like the NPCs like you, you I think they advertising you could follow an NPC and it would go on about its day and like go to work and you you could like you know and all this stuff and, and the dialogue options and all these things that, that's not really there but you can, like, if you want to focus more on hacking or if you want to focus more on stealth, or if you want to focus more on, like, destruction or hand-to-hand combat. Like, you can do that, I guess. But still, ultimately, it's kind of a lot of the same. Oh, God, I just remembered I'm, like, stuck in this terrible corner of the game right now, and I don't want to be there. It was just this little side mission, I thought. I didn't know it was, like, this major thing. And I had to go in this mall and fight just, like, hundreds of enemies. And they just seemed to be coming nonstop. And then there's this woman called Sasquatch who's really big and scary and kicking the shit out of me. I don't like it. I'm running out of ammo. It's not fun. Oh, the smart guns are fun as hell. Oh, man. So there's these smart guns where they have, like, this little, like, a giant crosshair and basically all you need to do is put that crosshair like on them shoot anywhere and the bullets will like smart track your target (laughs) it kicks ass it really does kick ass so that that's been fun that and also reading the second um altered carbon book has been super cool like just kind of living in a cyberpunk world man cyberpunk world has been fun i do recommend that book if you guys have never read altered carbon especially the first one the second one's good um I'm losing track of a lot of the characters because they introduced, like, six at once. And it's, like, this little, like, squad of, like, Marines or whatever. And I'm kind of I'm forgetting who's who again. Maybe I'm just getting old and stupid. It could be because I'm losing track of characters in Altered Carbon, losing track of characters in House of Dragons. Maybe it's just me, guys. Maybe your host is just dumb. Could be. I don't know. Hard to say. I do feel quite stupid at times. Um, but the first book is Immaculate. The first book is such a tight uh, cyberpunk noir detective masterpiece. It's so dark and gritty and you see such cool shit and it's such an intense world and the when it you know it's like always that chips are down moment for the for the hero. It's so good. Oh god, Alter Carbon 1 is spectacular. The show is okay, but the more I thought about it, the more of the departure it is from the book, I, I just can't really stand by that book that I mean that show adaptation because it's just they did things where they like they turned the envoys into like this revolutionary group which they never were they were they actually worked for the protectorate they were basically like the navy seals of the protectorate and then they were, just became too dangerous so the protectorate would kind of distance themselves from these guys it wouldn't like it wasn't like a war they tried to make it a war then they had the the woman uh quelc whatever her name was Falconer Quill Falconer and there was she's like this like strong like blackjack cuz like yeah revolution and shit and that was like not the tone of the envoys at all and the quellist and all this it did say you know so much of the show like it, like the guy's daughter who was like in trauma therapy like that's not like in the book it's like mentioned but it's it's really just a um like a bargaining chip like this guy just doesn't want the guy's his friend not even his friend this companion guy doesn't want his daughter's the guy's daughter to like get eliminated like it's like a, literally a bargaining chip and that's it and then they use her she becomes like this hero in the show it's just typical hollywood woke crap you know just the same nonsense you know just like yes queen yes they're the best they're the best as ah i remember th- i should have i should have known it was bad with that show when the uh, there were people who were like mad that like in the beginning Takashi's like an Asian guy and then he goes into like a white sleeve which is like yeah that's how the book goes he, he's in different sleeves you know he's he changes his appearance he's in a different human body that's the whole conceit of the show it's the whole conceit of the book. And when people were outraged, she like was like, "You're right, you know, r- this representation is wrong." And but but we just we're just following the source. But I was like, "Don't give it. Don't acknowledge their concerns as valid. They're just jumping on something. They just want to be outraged. They just want to be upset. They just want to." Meanwhile, they have no problem doing that when it's a white character. So they have no principle. It's a, a totally racist mentality. Why would you don't? don't embody this with any kind of validity, but she did, and I should have known, um, but that show's still fine, I still think Altered Carbon's fine, if you can't, like, read a book, if reading a book doesn't interest you, the show's okay, I wouldn't recommend it, but it's like, eh, I'm not gonna tell you not to watch it either, it's fine, all right, one more quick article, because I want this one that sounds fucking interesting to me, and I like interesting things, don't you like interesting things? I do. I think it's fun. Okay, I'm not getting back into the Tulsi Gabbard thing again. Don't worry. This is just something that seemed interesting to me, but I don't know if it's accurate because I've never heard this before. Early Martian life forms may have triggered climate change that led to extinction. Now, as far as I understand it, as far as I know, we've never found any hard evidence of any life off of our planet ever. Maybe that's been updated and I didn't realize. I don't know, but I've never heard that. So I want to read this article with a little bit of a skepticism, a little bit of well, let's, let's go with an open mind. Let's go with an open mind, guys. Come on now. Primitive life forms thrived on Mars around the same time prehistoric life was developing in Earth's oceans, but the Red Planet's den- denizens doomed themselves. A new study suggests. Suggests. Mars's microorganisms were likely flourishing just under its crust, gobbling up the hydrogen in the atmosphere around 3.7 billion years ago, according to the study published in the scientific journal journal Nature on Monday. But the depletion of the planet's hydrogen may have caused an ice age that led to their extinction, the study says. The ingredients of life are everywhere in the universe, the study's author Sorbonne University postdoctoral researcher Boris Soterey told space.com so it's possible that life appears regularly in in the universe yes it's we know it's possible is it provable but the inability of life to maintain habitable conditions on the surface of the planet makes it go extinct very fast our experiment takes it even a step further as it shows that even a very primitive biosphere can have completely self-destructive effect mars once moist and warm climate was conductive to life billions of years ago around the same period when simple life forms are developing on in Earth's prehistoric oceans, the study notes, but the Red Planet was significantly cooled off by the microbes' consumption of hydrogen and excretion of methane, which contributed to the thinning of its carbon dioxide-rich atmosphere. While temperatures on Mars could have been between 14 and 68 degrees, they have plummeted by about 400 degrees when the planet's once dense atmosphere was depleted of greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, and hydrogen that it relied on to warm the planet. The study says. This, I think, this is all just speculation. I think this is just a study and they're just they're just positing a possibility because I have never heard anyone confirm the existence of life outside our solar system. I mean, our our planet, not one time. So this is according to NASA. No life beyond Earth has ever been found. There is no evidence that alien life has ever visited our planet. It's all it's all a story. Yes, that I know that does, does not mean, however, that the universe is lifeless, while no clear signs of life have ever been detected The possibility of extraterrestrial biology, the scientific logic that supports it has grown increasingly plausible. Okay, so this study, this Martian study, is just that a study. This is just a positing a possibility of something that happened. There is no, as far as I know, unless someone can prove me wrong, I've never heard, this would be monumental news if we found out that there were even evidence of microbes on Mars. We've never found that one time. So I think this is just kind of a bullshit story. New York Post does that quite a bit. Wait. uh, On Thursday, the rover gathered samples that included signs of microbial life were once present in the Jezero crater, NASA said. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I'll be walking this back. Hold on. NASA's Mars Perseverance rover finds diversity, hints of microbial life in ancient lake bedrocks. NASA scientist says Thursday the Mars Perseverance rover found biologically interesting rocks. <laughs> That's not the same thing as life. Uh, in an ancient lake bed that could indicate microbial life existed on the red planet. years. All right. It's all just speculation. Speculation, speculation, speculation. So there is no proof of life on Mars. It's, it's they're just suggesting a possibility. It's like, OK, cool. That's uh, a theory. OK. Interesting theory, but the Post definitely tried to structure it like, you know, all the life on Mars could have wiped itself out by, uh, you know, greenhouse gases. Sorry, what was that life on Mars? This study suggests that it could have happened. I mean, all right, well, until you have anything resembling proof, please please do not bring that to the front page of the New York Post um all right folks i think that's going to do it for me today for this 17th episode of the mfr podcast i truly 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 hope that you enjoyed it i hope that you liked it i hope you found it entertaining i hope you uh enjoyed my quips my insight my political what's the word salience Intelligence, political, I don't know. I was trying to be clever, but the word escaped me. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you had fun with the MFR podcast. Uh, you know the drill. You guys know the drill, all right? If you're here, you know the drill. You know what you got to do? You know what you got to do? You got to press like, number one. got big, big press like. Two, subscribe if you have not subscribed. Very big for a tiny little channel like me. Please press uh, subscribe and share on social media with friends. If you think they might like this garbage, if you have a friend who's stupid enough with no discrimination in their tastes, who might like some babbling YouTuber doing a solo podcast that no one asked for send them, send them my way or vice versa. Give them a give them a little shares. I uh, don't no, thank you very much for watching. We can all rest easy guys. Luke's home. I uh, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, got the MF for Cocktail Lounge this week. I think we're going to be doing the top video game list. I got to rally the troops. Got to get all the boys on the same page, but I believe we are going to do the top 100 video games of all time or at least our list uh, of what we think should be the best kind of organized and conjecture and all that type of stuff. Out of about 100, that's kind of a long list. But we'll see. We're going to talk about it. we're going to make our list of the top video games of all time because Every list we ever came across was hot garbage. So stay tuned for that. Other than that, uh, keep an eye out for the next week's MFR podcast. I should have some guests coming up, you know, because I like that better. goes a little more smoothly. It's not just me talking at a microphone. So thank you again. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I'll see you the next time I see you. I don't know when that will be, but I appreciate you sticking with me. All right. Have a good day. Bye.